Welcome to the Po Show here in Hollywood, California, T-Radio V. Okay, officially Paulina Heron Show, because that's me, but I'm just the instigator of what I'm doing here. So the Po Show, Fo Show, for short, at Fo, for. <laughs> I don't know if you guys get the, the at symbol for. I should have put 4 p.m. Like, I think I posted, for you idiots that can't find it, here's the link, just push this button. I'm sorry, that was mean. That was awful. Okay, so um, in the last few weeks, we were in the streets, right? We were we were in Berlin, we were in London, we were in Los Angeles with street art. That was super cool. Then we took it to the stage, the last show, not Fourth of July, Happy Fourth of July last weekend. That was awesome. I did nothing. I'm not into that. But anyways, um, so now we're still on the stage. We were on the stage last last show with poet and Shakespearean guru, uh, stage actor John Gardner. And the fantastic, amazing actress, Carrie Polhammer. We're still on the stage, but we're with performance artist, comedy, and nihilist. <laughs> I say nihilist because I, I, I like it. I like it to be connected with annihilate for some reason because it sounds like you're going to like really mess stuff up or fuck shit up, whatever you prefer. Um, nihilist makes me feel like you're kneeling, which is good too. I mean, either way. Okay, so anyway, I have today with me, and I'm super excited, Scotch Witchman. Hey there. Okay. <laughs> Tell us what what, hey, Paulina, what you, you do and where you're from. Hey, where are you from and who are who you are? Uh, who am I? Who you be? I'm... Who you be today? <laughs> <laughs> I'm a, uh, a stand-up comedian and performance artist and a, and a writer. Okay, but... but I have a problem right now. Yes, what is your There's problem? This weird man <laughs> staring <laughs> there... at, over, over your shoulder. And it's really, he's been there and it's really... <laughs> There's not a lot that kind of kind of messes with me, He's, but what is with that guy? Yeah. He follows Scotch wherever he goes. <laughs> Behind you, I assume. My alter ego. <laughs> okay, so anyway, um. He's looking right at me. <laughs> making me uncomfortable. Look into my eyes. Maybe, maybe can 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 you third guess? Which I I didn't get your name. Can you actually bald naked man with the really big balls and small penis? Can you get on this side of me maybe so that you can look at these guys? <laughs> okay. So anyway, go ahead, Scotch. Twenty three years of performance uh, art. Yeah, twenty three years of performance art all over Los Angeles, from L. A. to Scotland. Uh, performance art pieces. The very first piece that I ever did was in. Uh, 1991, which involved uh, shaving the back hair off of a mouse, cutting it into lines and snorting it, uh, <laughs> testicle puppet shows. Um, which we had to cover up the testicles for the show. We, we did, we did. That's why we're a little bit, for you, for you guys out there that, that said, hey, Posh was supposed to start at the at four. Is that 4 a.m. or what's the deal with that? We were actually putting post-it notes on the genitalia <laughs> of this man. I mean, not this man. <laughs> right. No, I mean that man too, which you can't see that. So sticky. But actually, <laughs> it's so sticky down there. Which there was also that that was so funny with the fish in the underwear. Okay, we'll get to that later though. <laughs> Ask him about that later. 
don't don't let me forget. You can call in. Call in and ask us about the fish in the underwear. That sounds weird, right? It's, it does sound weird. Okay. Yeah. Um, 855-878-4652. That is, what is it? T-R-V-N-L-A, right? Okay. 855-T-R-V-N-L-A. <laughs> oh, there it is! There it is. <laughs> <laughs> okay, scotch. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> okay, it's just the margaritas talking. <laughs> Lucky you. And the bubbles on top. Cheers. So, uh, okay, so so what are we talking about? We're talking about um, where I'm from. We're still... Uh, We're talking about performance art. Okay, so where you, where you started. Yeah. So, yeah. So, I started doing performance art in the early 90s around Los Angeles. Uh, I had some great mentors um, and uh, just continued doing it and uh, still do it today at galleries and fringe festivals. Um, I was at the Hollywood Fringe a couple of times, um, as was my my uh, cohort, Alicia, and... Uh, yeah, it's it's just it's something for me that is um, necessary, you know. Uh, it's how is that? It's it's hard to explain wh- why I do it. I'm just driven to do it, and I, for me, it's magic. That's yeah. that's why I do it. And we can get into that. Um, for me, it's it's a transformative thing. Right. Um, the it it changes the way that I see the world when I'm doing it, and and. I feel like it has a similar effect on audiences as well. And not just for me, but from other performance artists as well. No, it's really interesting because I was reading your performance art manifesto. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, and this is actually really, really cool because um, there's a couple of things in here that really kind of blew me away. Um, and what were they? Well, you can you can you can explain more in depth exactly what it is. What what sets it apart? What is what is the gist of this manifesto as far as performance art? Because it's really, and I don't know if if a lot of people know exactly what performance sure. art means. Because you're right, they do think of right um, performing arts. They do. They yeah. think of the drama. They think of comedy. They think of a lot of things right. that all that could be. Right. But this is specifically something different. Yeah. So we, so with other art forms, um, you know, dancers use the human body typically. Painters mm-hmm. usually use paint. Um, sculpt, sculptors, you know, will use clay or some other, you know, uh, plastic medium like that. Performance art, basically, you have three key elements. One of them is you have a performer, you have the audience, and then you have an act that the performer does. Um, but typically, the act is one that does is not recognizable as belonging to any other art form. Um, a uh, so it's almost as if the artist has made up his or her own art form. Exactly. And you can trace this back to um, back to uh, the birth of uh, abstract expressionism yeah. around the turn of the century when artists were no longer necessarily painting what they saw with their eyes, but they started painting what they saw in their minds. Exactly, yeah. Which then leads to Dada where yeah. you have artists who are saying, hey, why can't anything be art? Um, you know, a urinal could be art or uh. my manifesto could be art or the yeah. clothing, I'm, you know, so this kind of opens up the idea that anything could be art, which then leads to um, surrealism, the idea of, you know, expressing what's inside the mind, the mechanisms of how the mind works, which leads to action, action painting, Jackson Pollock, people like that in the in the 50s who are believing that that the action of painting itself is art right, and exactly. people will come and watch that. And then you have in, into the 1960s, um, folks in New York, Alan Capra, people like that, who were saying, well, if we can watch people doing art and that's art, why can't they watch anything and have it be art? Exactly. People walking around on 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 rubber tires yeah. or just getting dressed or the way that Yoko Ono um, 
and John Lennon met when uh, when Yoko was in a gallery and she had a ladder set up and you could walk to the top of the gallery up to the top of the uh, ladder and look at the ceiling, mm-hmm. and she had written the word yes up yes. there. John Lennon does that. That's how they meet. They fall in love. So uh, performance art is basically it's it's the art form that is sort of a catch-all for any any act that doesn't belong to the other art forms. But one thing that's also really specific to performance art is you must have one thing. You must have an audience. You do need an audience. Yeah. Well, that's that's part of my aesthetic. That's kind of where well, I, I would came think from. if nobody's watching. <laughs> well, that's interesting. <laughs> is this still performance art? This this is a good yeah. This is this is a really interesting idea. Um, Chris Burden, who um, is one of my big influences, is a uh, if you haven't seen him, definitely look him up. A performance artist who uh, did a lot. He, he was he did other art forms as well later on, but in the 70s, um, he did a lot of body art. Um, he had himself shot in the arm in 1971. Um, he he would one of his pieces involved him uh, lying under a heavy plate of glass that was so heavy he could not move. Um, he had himself nailed to the back of a Volkswagen. Um, and in the 70s, I mean that was hugely radical. Yeah. Right, this was pre Jackass, pre yeah, you yeah. know stunts, things like that. And uh, he he did pieces. He did this one piece where it was, there was there was a gallery and he was on top of this ledge. And the audience would come in and, you know, this was over the course of hours and days. But the thing was, you couldn't see him. You didn't know if he was up there. And when he did this other, (laughs) when he was lying under this plate of glass, he did it in an adjacent room. So you couldn't see him. I mean, the gallery owners knew that he he was there because they helped set it up. But you couldn't see him. Um, And so there was still an audience, but there was no audience performer interaction. There was no interaction. Right. And that's maybe that's art itself. It is. Well, the the (laughs) The void of. Yeah. The the audience members had I mean, they had the same kind of transcendent experiences that people have when they watch performance art being there because they knew he was there or not and or or not. So (laughs) there was that question. But in their minds, they believed he was there. Yeah. And so, um, you know, it changed the way that they spoke in the gallery because they could as- they assumed that he could hear them, you know. Of course, yeah, yeah, yeah. So of it totally changed. It reframes how you you know real time. Refried. Right, right, yeah, right now. <laughs> refried the refried. brain. yeah, it, it absolutely does, and that's that's one of the big aspects I think of performance art for me is just the way that it can change time and space. Um, the, w- one of the biggest examples for me is um, a couple of years ago. Uh, there, there was a Russian, Peter Pavlinsky. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was yeah. just revisiting that. Yes. A mm-hmm. uh, Russian um, walks to, a performance artist. He's going to wince. He, he is. <laughs> he, uh, he walks to the middle of the Red Square, sits down, uh, undresses, and in a protest of the police state there and the crackdowns on artists, uh, artistic freedom, he nails his scrotum to the cobblestone square. And what's so crazy is that people arrive, they're taking pictures, the police come, you know, you know they and... You know, people. The the initial reaction is that this is a crazy spectacle, right? That this yeah. guy is doing this, he's exactly. crazy, or he's doing it for attention. But what's so amazing is if you watch the video of the people who are arriving, it's like they cannot, they literally cannot process what they are exactly. viewing right now. Yeah. He has just stepped outside of what the government has sanctioned as being yeah, they gave me the totally. map yeah. of of mappable Especially space. Especially Russia. Oh my goodness. Yeah, exactly. I just got chills too. No, I totally. He. Ugh. he yeah, he is basically he has just stepped out of outside the boundaries of what the government has sanctioned as being the only ground, the only mappable area. Um, and so that's you know when you, your country gets to that point, you have a big problem. Yeah, we're gonna go to that reel.
Check out Scotch Witchman. The birdie in the Okay, that stuff is so funny. Okay, but what, what what was going through my mind when I was watching that, revisiting, of course, I've seen all of that before, is that when you're watching that, do you do you remember where you were at those particular moments when you were in that in that state of no. performance? Or it's just like a totally different person you're watching, huh? It's it's yeah, it's like a different person. And even when I'm in it, um, I have to sometimes ask people afterward, you know, like what happened? What did I do? <laughs> Yeah, it's like that one point where I was, I was, uh, it was hard to tell there, but there was like, uh, I was putting trash on my face out of a trash can yeah, yeah, yeah. and then spitting around. Um, <laughs> I was literally eating trash that someone brought in out of a trash can that I'd never seen before. Oh God. But what was weird is that when I was spitting around, I literally felt, I started laughing uncontrollably and I felt like I was going insane. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, and after, well, you're this far away from that in creativity. I do. You're super close. <laughs> being an artist or being insane is. Yeah. And the, here, the magic thing for me is is when you get to that point when your insanity becomes it becomes like a vortex and you pull the audience in with you and afterward people come up to you and they say, I don't even know where I was like for the last five minutes or, you know, it's maybe a similar experience to watching a movie or something like that except that it's happening in, in the same space, in the same air that people so are breathing. So the, the audience is a part of this. Absolutely. Because they're, they're, they're and that's yeah. the other thing you talk about in your manifesto is that if it's if it's a, a recording of it it's not the same right right if it's props from it it's not the same right. nothing's the same unless it's you're there and it's going on then right and you're in it i think yeah i think it has more in common with like ceremonial magic than it does with video so let me ask you this do you do you do any <laughs> like true prep like any kind of, or you just you have an idea and you just go with wherever it takes you you have the certain props and the certain main idea and then you you go with it it's or? a combination so uh, there's always a there's always a structure there if, if there's text i like to work it out ahead of time because usually it has yeah, yeah. symbolic meaning but i definitely because the audience is there they're part of it. No, in exactly. Real time. And it can change. Yeah, it can change. So there's, I always leave, you know, improvisational points in it. And if something happens, you know, 
Um, one time I was doing this performance and a baby started crying and it changed. My performance was now about that baby. Right. And I just, I went with that and, you know, sort of circled back to the original ending that I'd kind of foreseen, but oh, yeah, yeah. now it had a whole other level to it because I had sort of tied it to the baby. And part of it is just about making these mental associations beforehand and, and during the piece too. And you, it seems like you kind of fall into this vortex though. You, you start with a thing and then you go in this wormhole and you, then you kind of, you have limited control because you really have to go where the wormhole takes you. Right? You do. Yeah. It's, <laughs> yeah. I think that, you know, um, when, uh, you know, psychologists are kind of split on on how we think, how humans <laughs> think. Um, some some believe that we think linguistically, right. we think in language, and that there is nothing prior to that. But I'm with the other camp that there we that our unconscious minds are thinking, but in a symbolic language that is not, you know, in standard language. Right. It you know uh, it works more. It works audibly. It works visually. You know, if you make a baby laugh, the baby can't speak English yet, and yet it knows yeah. what funny is. So, I, you know, I think performance art tapping into, you know, our sort of, I know it sounds like a cliche, but our, our collective unconscious for me is a real thing. You know, it made me think of, um, I just saw this video, which was so funny on YouTube or whatever, of this baby that the dad has a, a has a, a pacifier in his mouth and is talking. Have you seen that one? No, no. So <laughs> funny. And this little tiny baby, naked, tiny little baby. And the dad, and the baby is dying laughing. He is just hysterical. And then the dad, and it pops out of his mouth. Ah! baby is just it is the funniest and the and the dad is cracking up so it's weird that connection because how does a baby even know that that's funny that his dad has his binky in his mouth it's right, just it's right. so weird because the baby is so new but he can associate with that and that dad shouldn't have that that's like weird but how right how does that even happen when you're so you can't even talk it should be He's, like baby stand-up clubs I think. okay <laughs> yes. babies are so funny because they're, they're right out there and there's nothing to hide okay who's this guy that guy we'll identify him later but who's this guy next to you it's your job to introduce it's me. Your, it's your job. <laughs> you dragged me here. You, you brought this insane man in this room. You want me to introduce you? This is <laughs> Ali Alicia Shapiro, who uh, I met by accident years ago. Uh, How he, else would you meet this he man? Is, he is, in my opinion, um, the America's most famous nihilist. <laughs> but he didn't yeah. make president. No. What happened? I, I was cheated. I think there, yeah. was, there was some kind of fraud involved in that yeah. election. That was 1988. Uh, that was 1988. Yeah. Okay. So tell us about the 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 longest running and most famous nihilist and or you say nihilist. I say nihilist because Explain. it sounds friendly. <laughs> nihilist sounds scary, <laughs> and I'm all about friendliness. I don't know. You're the friendly I'm, I'm not really about friendly. Um, but I just thought that was funny. I, that's, <laughs> um, and. Everyone says nihilist, and they think it's terrible. And so I was my. Is whole... it? Does it have two? Does it have two kind of pronunciations, or that's just? Yeah, both of them are acceptable. It? Okay, that's what I thought. That's what I thought. But nihilist is more common. But oh, oh, really? nihilist is more nihilist. common. But yeah. nihilist is like annihilate. Right, right, right. Yeah. It's kind of fun. <laughs> Annihilating can be fun, can it? I, I think maybe. so. <laughs> <laughs> I always said nihilism until I met Alicia, but. He's an English teacher, so I will I'll defer. Oh, nihil what? Nihilism? Oh. <laughs> Was it the blank face? Okay, you know what? I think this would be maybe a great time to watch that intro. Can we see that intro so that people can see what we're talking about? And yeah. in, in a nutshell, this is Alicia. Me.
In other news, Elijah Shapiro is head of the Nihilist Party, and while he doesn't really expect to get elected president, he has some novel ideas for the candidates to discuss. For instance, he thinks the Ford Thunderbird should replace the bald eagle as the national bird. And he wants to franchise National League baseball teams in Havana and... More than just a guest, my guest Alicia Shapiro is actually going to be doing a work in progress, which is what this program is going to be for uh, about 40 minutes. You would understand exactly what I'm talking about, but it's beyond description on the radio. Where talk, I'm Larry Mantle. Our art, artist music, and experiments in language and music that stretch the oral dimension. My guest is Alicia Shapiro, a local conceptual artist. He's been organizer of a wide range of interesting community activities and is a confessed, professed expert in nihilism. Nihilism, defined by Webster's New World Dictionary, is the denial of the existence of any basis for knowledge or truth, the general rejection of customary beliefs. Here's a story about the Alternative Olympics. Projectile vomiting competition. The um, decathlon of housework. Shapiro's Nihilist gang not expected to cause traffic jams or overcrowd hotels. It is expected to release provide little humor in the summer athletic environment here in Los Angeles for those who have already overdosed on the 1984 Olympics. A freeway race or strenuous housework. The Laszlo Toth defacing competition. Alicia Shapiro, founder and chairman of the Nihilist Olympic Organization. I'm not like the, the guy, you know, someone void of emotion, like in the basement with aluminum foil taped up on the window. We're talking with Alicia Shapiro, professional nihilist of his own nihilist realm. Okay, so you took the political route. So tell us about why you chose politics to make this stand, which is really funny because I didn't know until this morning that you actually ran for governor. In that's, 2006, right? That's right. And you ran for, was it sheriff? Yeah, L.A. County Sheriff. <laughs> I don't know why that's, that's all. Uh, yeah, yeah but, in 1992. I, okay. I thought, yes, for president in, in 1988. And, <laughs> and that, then you stepped down a little the bit. The next step for okay, me I'm was gonna... sheriff. <laughs> and, you know, it was always... I, I, um, you just I'm, wanted to wear the star, uh, right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> Well, no, what's funnier than the Nihilist Sheriff? Um, <laughs> okay, you know what? I want to ask you this because there's um, – and in my research, which there is so, so much information that it's it's mind-blowing. But there's, you're, there's a specific topic in Nihilism that you're promoting, and what is that? 
Well, philosophical uh, rejection of uh, philosophical rejection of objective truth and value. So is it yeah. is it strictly around truth and value, which I guess is a lot. Well, <laughs> you know. <laughs> So I, you know, I uh, in this, I don't know how long ago, but it was a long time ago. I was sitting around, and I heard um, I was sitting with I was a assistant a, a manager of the New Art Theater, sitting with a ticket girl, and something someone had someone had called some other politician a nihilist, uh, a nihilist. Yeah, yeah. And I was we were just talking about it, and I said, you know, that's what I am. I know what a nihilist is. Yeah. It means you don't believe in anything. And I said, so my, then one thing after another, I would just have one nihilist event after another thinking, and, and uh, you were asking like why people do these things. Um, and I've realized recently that everything I do, I do because it makes me laugh. <laughs> that's a great that's a great way to live. I mean what what other way is there? That's perfect. So I mean I would just start by saying, Oh, it's okay, I'm a nihilist. Let's do something funny and have a nihilist art festival. Okay, that would be funny. And then uh, then I think the first main big thing I did, the LA the Olympics. Olympics were coming to town and I said okay. Can you explain that a little bit? Just 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 a little bit, what that entailed, what kind of competitions you had. All right. Well uh, you know, and I didn't even think of them while I was sitting around <laughs> with some of my artsy weird friends and they were saying it explains a lot. And, and the LA Times comes out, and there's a LA, the Olympics are coming to LA, and so we said, oh, it'd be funny if we had our own events. And then they started throwing out these just stupid, funny ideas about which like, were perfect, right? And which I'd like immediately co-opt. And um, I was my job at the time was uh, I was a press release writer for the city of Inglewood Parks and Rec, and so I knew how to write a press release, and I knew, yeah. and I had a press list in my hand, and I said, okay, I wrote out a, just a brilliant press release talking about like the eight events that I decided <laughs> to put on that I stole most of them from these guys. So yeah, so there was going to be the decathlon of housework, which I had 10 funny decathlon-y events that you would do, uh, just, uh, and that was very popular. The U-turn competition, which was very popular, um, and I, we don't have video of that, but there is video out there of the people making these crazy U-turns. Um, and there was the, uh, <laughs> instead of the biathlon, which is running and target shooting, I thought, well, you know, the modern version of that was just the run and shoot competition. Run and shoot. So where you just running down. <laughs> run, it's not like a, how about just drive by shooting? <laughs> well, it was similar to that. <laughs> running that down work? a dark alley, shooting, shooting at pop up targets. Oh, shoot. <laughs> um, and so, uh, See, annihilate still comes to mind. I'm sorry. Right. <laughs> it seems more and more appropriate all the time. It just fits. And anyway, I sent out the press release, and I didn't expect much, but then. Um, Two weeks later, I get a call from the LA Times. They send a reporter over with a camera, and like they, so I end up with that first article about Neil's Olympics come to LA, and I just, um, and then I realized. I mean, you're talking about performance art, and I'm thinking, I'm kind, I kind of think of myself as a conceptual artist, meaning it's not, it's not so much about me in front of an audience, as me communicating with an audience in kind of another way. Yeah, and. After that article came out in the LA Times, I said, that's my way of communicating with my audience. I mean, I just pictured people reading these articles and saying, 
bands of nihilists roaming the streets of L.A. <laughs> doing crazy things. And I just imagine, boy, I, there are people like shitting their pants out there. Exactly. There are people laughing hysterically out there. This was, I just felt like. And that's, that's, that's the way it should be. That's, that's, my, that's, that's the thing. <laughs> that's my art form. And so you can see from all those articles that that's kind of, I was just thinking, okay, what's another, the next funny thing that happened? And then Schwarzenegger was running, no, that was later. Oh, the, who was running for president when I ran against him? Uh, uh, Dukakis, Dukakis. Oh, yeah, yeah. and yeah. Bush. Yeah. And I said, well, that's a funny election. <laughs> I want to be part of that <laughs> shit. <laughs> that's funny. So we're going to take a break. Okay. We'll be right back for more in nihilism, nihilism, whatever you prefer, <laughs> neil or annihilate. It's your choice. See you soon. I really want like this this venue. I want to be the Oprah of the arts. I'm not a well-paid stripper, but it's more of a labor of love. It's not, not it's not about the money. Yeah. Classical music playing. Nobody's talking or doing anything, yeah. and it's just a boring naked woman sitting in a chair. That's 86. Love us. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to get the numbers right in my head. And I'll build a whole set. And so we did pin up cowgirls. And this is like... Of all of that. Or turn one of them into a giant slug. Yeah. It was a wonderful event. See? I like that. We all like had a great time. Oh, Van. Oh, Van, I love you. See how much fun you get out being creative. It's so fun being creative. Kind of in the wake of Michelangelo doing like really big figures that were muscular and all the women were men. He used men. Seems fairly realistic. This is a thing push it, that my push human it, body could push do. It. And it turns out I'm never ever right. Like it's never ever. And you a need second, a hamburger. I need a second penis. <laughs> what I've heard, you don't need any more than you already have. Maybe I like it deep down low. Welcome back to the post show here in Hollywood, California. Isn't this interesting? Okay, you guys are probably going to bone up. I love that. <laughs> what did, where did that come from? Bone up. Do you know? You know? Bone up on information. I don't know. It's weird, right? Is it weird? <laughs> <laughs> I always wonder where they, I, that's, Google's my best friend. I love to Google things. Sleeping with know. your teacher. So um, someone call in and tell us where Bone Up came yeah, from. Yeah, you know what? Call in. Why does nobody call me? Because <laughs> we don't have time for you. No, we totally, we would make time for you. Okay, let's continue this talk. Okay, so, but you, you, you would consider yourself a, a performance artist, would you not? Because how would you not be? I guess yeah. it's a little different. Yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, I do consider myself a conceptual artist just because it's artist. more about um, 
It's not about you, it's about something you're trying to say. Right, I create the thing, I don't know. Something Um, to think about, a concept. uh, But but it's not so much about me doing an action in front of an audience as me creating an event that people, as my audience, will interact with on their own, but I'm not in front of them. Are you a Nietzsche fan? No. Um, no, not some. I mean, he was—he's like the most famous nihilist, I guess. Yeah. Uh, before me, <laughs> but he's dead, so he doesn't count anymore. Uh-huh. You know, I was—I was, I was uh, when I was researching this topic. Then there's uh, the the Russian nihilist movement. Do you know about that? Yeah, they were like anarchists, right? Yeah, right. a Russian movement in the 1860s that rejected all authority. <laughs> That's a pretty good one. Yes, so they—they they were political the nihilists. Russians. That's kind of—it's kind of great. Let's just forget about it all. <laughs> and that's appropriate for Russia, right? It didn't work. <laughs> they didn't get very far, did they? No, anarchists <laughs> tend to be not organized that well. Um, they would have all nailed their scrotums to the cobblestone, I'm pretty sure. And then Every what happens? Every single one of them. I know. Well, and then what? And then what do you do? Like, who's going to do anything if you're, well, I guess if you're a woman. Well, that's what, well, I, you know, when I ran for president. The, I then the women rule. You've that's got my, Russian women. They can nail stuff to the cobblestone too. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. Anyway, when I ran for oh, president, I, I, we had the National Nihilist Convention here in LA, and oh. I thought that was funny too because the same idea, right? Are the, can a, a nihilist organize anything? And they're like, <laughs> right. It doesn't were, matter if they don't. <laughs> uh, yeah, it doesn't matter. Yeah. And what does it mean? Nothing. There were two hundred people there. We had a great time. And that, that one of the one of me uh, shooting somebody. That was the Pope running in in the back of the nihilist convention, and I shot him. So, oh, is that what that was? Yeah, I was, love that because. And it's just like <laughs> did we mention? Did we talk about the film festival? Oh no, that's no. what I actually. That's what I was looking for because I knew there was something else. The yeah. international international nihilist film festival. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So international. It's fabulous. So yeah, that's yeah. like the whole world. <laughs> <laughs> because I get film, I get submissions from all over the world. Uh, anyway, yes. Uh, so uh, send your films in if they're crazy nihilist films and they make me laugh. I might show them. Um, so when is this happening? Is this like is this an annual thing? Or yeah, is this every something... De- every December I every do December. it. Every December. And it's Good been going on for like 16 years. Yeah, I thought, yeah. December is National Nihilism Month, in case oh, you didn't know really? that. Is it really? <laughs> Are you serious? Well, I just named it that. Oh. <laughs> uh, anyway, so yes, we have this fabulous film festival, and people send me films from all over the world, and I get to sit and watch these crazy films, and I pick ones that I think are funny, and we have a little evening where we show them. So. I've been okay. to a couple of them. They're amazing. The films that are awesome. submitted. Awesome. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah, it's that right here. Yeah, it's held in LA. So in December. Yeah, in December. Watch for it. You will like it. And okay. You know what? I want to see that clip, Jake. Jake is this guy right here. Can I give you a piece of information first? Pieces of information. Sure. All right. So to bone up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, my God. So this is why I love this guy. What does it mean? Where did it come from? So the biggest Victorian bookseller was a guy by the name of George Bone. Wow. And when you wanted some information, you would go to Bone's Books and to get up. the information, and you would bone up. That's so, one, that's my, so it's nothing sexual. That's my porn name. I was so far off. <laughs> that's your porn name. That's not that guy's name. No. He's really eerie. I, I wish he had like sunglasses on He's or something. He's looming. Like that. I think he likes you. I think he likes you. What? <laughs> okay, you know what? We're going to have to have a talk with this this naked man in the back here. So we want to cut to that great video. 
I mean, it's it's kind of shortened, but um, the secret to a better life. We're going to give you guys an insight to what could make your life better, and it has to do with lots of pork and shrimp. <laughs> so be prepared to change your diet. See you soon. Are you tired of life kicking your butt? All the pointless suffering and random humiliation? Then listen for the secret of controlling your life. Avoiding those bad things, getting the good things. That's right. We all know life can be a pointless shitstorm. You have a bad job, bad children, ugly wife, impotent husband. Sure you do. Do all the bad people get the good things you want? They're the only ones who do. Is there a way of getting the good things and avoiding the bad things? That's a question people have been asking since 1953. And the answer is yes. Let's start with your health. Do you have cancer? Does your baby have cancer? Do you have Alzheimer's disease? Do you have Alzheimer's disease? How about painful rectal itch? Do you get tired easily? That's the first sign of cancer. Is there a way to avoid all of these terrible things that happen to these shitty bodies we are cursed with? The answer is diet. Have your friends stopped eating meat, sugar, fat, and are they still dropping dead left and right? That's because they're stupid. What hippie huckster sold them that bill of goods? Listen to what scientists say. A diet like that just makes you weak. If you baby your body, any germ will be able to kick its butt. Scientists have proven a diet of nothing but pork and shrimp will double your chances of survival. Double it. Double it. You got it? Okay. <laughs> so that's how you live a long and prosperous <laughs> life. You believe in nothing and you eat lots of pork and shrimp. And then everything's cool. Everything's it's pretty much turned out like me. <laughs> <laughs> or this guy. Or this guy. Okay, what about that guy? Okay, that guy, this guy. You can why is that guy in this room? Was he in, but who invited him? Scott, should you invite him? Okay, so you can, if you take a look at him, uh, does that guy look familiar? That's me. Hi. <laughs> hey. Nice to be here, ladies and folks. I'll be here all week. What Keep happened your to his, where are his underwear? Um, anyway, so that, I don't know. There was a period when I was, I guess after the Nails Olympics, I thought, uh, oh, I should shave all the hair off my body. Um, and so I got my girlfriend to help me do this. And then we went around and took was some Was it pictures. sexual? Was it fun? And it was not fun. It was work. And it was, but it, I look, look at how weird it looks. I mean, that's what artists do, right? Uh, I'm assuming. Got eyebrows. <laughs> eyebrows and everything. And, and then we just got in the car. You know what? You look like you're from Star Trek. Oh, yeah. Right? <laughs> anyway, we drove around L.A. and I got <laughs> out naked and stood in vacant fields. Really? My girlfriend would take pictures of Did me. Did you really do that? And then we, there was an art show at some gallery. And then my some friend said, why did you do this? And was horrified. By, <laughs> and, and, and apparently you and are. <laughs> but and we, I thought it was. Uh, anyway, that, so that was. So like, there's two of you. One is nude. Completely nude. Except for some. Thank God for the sticky notes. <laughs> <laughs> Who made those again? What a great, what a great idea! What a great idea! 
as a as a fashion statement. Right? <laughs> oh, we didn't play that. Okay, we have to play that, right? Um, you know what I'm talking about, Dick Temp, Fanny Pack, <laughs> because I can't. I... <laughs> okay, you need to explain, Scott. Okay, well, I had this. Um, <laughs> I, <laughs> I had this dream, and Matt Damon. You had a dream, had, and Matt Damon. Okay. Yeah, Matt Damon came to me in this dream, and uh, he was he and I were talking, and all of a sudden he was attacked by a polar bear, and I wrestled him, and I saved him, and he goes, "Dude, you you just saved me from a polar bear. Your balls must be on fire." And in my dream, I was like, "Actually, they are very warm right now. <laughs> my pelotas are warm." I should take their temperature. And I woke up with that idea. I was like, I should take their temperature for like maybe for a month. Why not? And I told my wife and she's like, no, we're not going to. But I did. I did. <laughs> but so I did anyway. <laughs> I did. So I got that um, that butt pack and I wired up a, uh, a temperature sensor that went down my pants. I used medical tape and I attached it to my junk every day, actually twice a day. And, uh, you know, I had to cut all my hair off so that the tape would So you look stick. like that? I look like, well, yeah, like that. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I, I had to sleep with a fanny pack on because that's where the electronics were. They beamed um, every minute. They would beam my current temperature and humidity to the Internet. So if you go to <laughs> dicktemp.com, you can see the, ha- the graphs, the history. And then I, using my phone, I would log whatever I was doing. This is performance art technologically. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. I would log whatever I was doing. So you can see my temperature when I'm listening to different kinds of music, when I'm sleeping, when About I'm having sex. Having sex. That only happened one time because my, <laughs> my, my wife was so freaked out. I mean, there's like tape everywhere. And I mean, do you want to have sex with a naked guy who's wearing a butt pack? I don't think so. I don't think so. Not usually, no. No. So, but, but once. There could be a, there there could be a, once. I would do it once. once. I would do once it once. Once is enough. Yeah. So, you know, it was, uh, it was a really interesting experience because – um, and I also, you know, videoed, so, you know, sort of the progression of videos online if you go to Dicktown. But it was interesting because you stopped, you know, like your genitalia, it's just part of you. Like when you're excited, like, you know, it gets excited. It's just, it's an automatic thing. But when you have to care for it, like it's, it's like it's an invalid, like a patient, you know, worrying about, you Give know. Give it a binky. Binky, where <laughs> the technology is. Is my tape coming loose? You know, you're sitting in meetings at work. You know, with with your CEO sitting there, and you're like, oh, I'm taking my my dick temperature right now, three feet from you. <laughs> you know, it's crazy. You know, you st- you start to see it as an object. It objectifies your own, like a part of your body, over the course of those thirty days. So you actually had to make that fanny pack like a, a like a fashion statement because you had to wear it for thirty days. Thirty days. <laughs> I wore it for thirty days, except when I showered because it wasn't. So so I would have to shower super quick and get out. You know, like. Maybe 60 seconds. So, in case any of you are wondering who brought back the fanny pack, it was Scott Schultz. <laughs> he brought that back, yes. just so you know. You know what? We're going to take a quick break because we're running out of time. One quick break. We'll be right back at ya. You'd go to watch an artist do something. And it was considered art because the artist said so. Performance arts should not be confused with the performing arts. 
namely drama, dance, comedy, circus, or music. It has its own rules, cliches, and language, powerful enough to transform a person into something entirely new. Okay, Scott Twitchman's book, go get it. Um, and you just got back from a huge tour of, yeah. of this thing, and that was super cool. Let's yeah. see, was it 18, what did you do? And, and and in promoting this book, you did like a bunch of performances, right? Was it 18, 17 performances? And- um, it, yeah, it was uh, 18 performances nationwide from here to New York, L.A. to New York. Um, at every single city, uh, part of the performance would involve me demonstrating performance art in bookstores and things like that, galleries. And a lot of fish. And a lot of fish. Oh, that's where the fish in the underwear comes up. Yeah, the finale was me pulling a fish out of my pants, um, <laughs> which meant that at every city from Seattle, New York. You posted your ripped up underwear. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Fish scales will destroy your underwear. They will just cut them up the and the gills. So, yeah, it was super exciting. 18 stops. Um, it's uh, It took six years for me to write it. It came out in uh, last year. It's um, it's been selling really well, and it's uh, I wrote it because um, nobody had yet written like the performance art novel about like what is it like being performance art? What is performance art? How do you become a performance art? Yeah. Um, you know, a performance artist, um, and it's basically a comedy caper about two crazy performance artists who who cook up a plot to kidnap their billionaire boss, who's kind of like a Bill Gates character, and try to turn him into a performance artist against his will. So they build like a chain link cage. They, they cook up this plot to get him when he comes to speak at a convention, and then it's all about how they brainwash him and his slow transformation, which also transforms them. Of course, yeah, that's super cool. Okay, so where the, where can they get the book? And also, second question is, yes. you've got awards for this already. Oh, yes, yes. It's on, won- on your on your tours about. From, yes, from- yeah, it's won um, what, a couple of uh, National Independent Book Awards. Um, it was also an Amazon. Amazon has a contest every year. It was one, one of the first-round finalists in that. Um, it's it won a design award, so we're super excited about that. Um, and uh, you can get it uh, at especially independent bookstores. We're trying to promote those, but also online anywhere, Barnes and Noble, Amazon, and paperback or uh, all the ebook formats. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's available everywhere. Um, and 
so yes, it's uh, tons of performances um, that was super exciting. Um, it's also going to be on sale in Ventura uh, this weekend. This weekend, um, yeah. there's a Ventura Art Walk going on. And where is that? And uh, that's in Ventura. That's um, no, but it's at a specific gallery, isn't it? It is. Gallery? It's at the John White Gallery. That's where I'm going to be. Um, if you go to uh, uh, Art Walk. Ventura.com or to my website cscotch.com. Um, you can you can find out where it is. John White Gallery. Um, I'll be performing on Saturday and Sunday um, in a uh, sort of a a commemorative performance to remember um, Chris Burden, who you were talking about, who uh, you know shot in the arm, crawling over glass, crazy stuff like that. I'm going to be taking some of his elements and also some of his non-performance elements um, and uh, incorporating incorporating those into just you know a short like five minutes. This is my memory for you. Okay, so what's your website again? Where can people find you? You have a new one. Um, if they 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 can go to scotchwitchman.com, my name, or you can also see s e e scotch see myself see scotch.com. Um, and uh, that will the, all the links are there, calendar is there, and all that stuff. Okay, so that's Witchman, W-I-C-H-M-A-N-N, Scotch, like the drink. <laughs> Where can we find you? Um, you can find me at Nihilist Fun on Facebook, Nihilist Fun. Fun. Like, uh, uh, or my other website, nihilist.net. Okay, and to find out anything about anybody who's been on the show, or if you want to be on the show, or anybody that's going to be on the show, go to www.wetpuzzlepiece.com, and you'll find all my junk. You'll find all the social media. I have YouTube's coming out. I, I'm on Facebook, uh, Twitter, uh, what else? Instagram, uh, YouTube, all all of that. Just www.wet wet puzzlepiece.com. A wet puzzle piece fits anywhere. So. Okay. So we'll see you next week. It was super great to have you tune in. Next week we have, we're, we're taking it to a whole nother level. We're actually going posh. We're going to be in fashion next week. I'll put on my happy face. See you then. You are watching T-Radio V, Radio MTV. T-Radio V, Radio MTV. Radio MTV. Thank you.